wouldn't be surprised to learn that through lockdown, uh, many of us have got into bad habits. So over the past 18 months, we've got into bad habits. And there was uh, some research done over the past few weeks. Uh, and they were imagining what would happen if we never changed some of the bad habits that we got into and what we would look like in five years' time. So some of the things that we have struggled with is uh, many of us have put on weight because we've been having more takeaways and because we're not eating out as much. So people have had more takeaways and drinking more alcohol. And so we're putting on weight. Also, as part of that, because of the anxiety and the worry that was around, uh, people were turning to food for comfort. And so that's one bad habit that we've got into. Others is uh, working from home has meant that our posture has changed. So we've been slumped on a sofa working rather than at a desk. And so our postures got bad, which has led to different problems with our bodies. Other issues is that sleep has got worse. Um, over half the people who were um, asked in this questionnaire said that they'd been struggling with different sleep patterns uh, because of stress and worry or watching more TV late at night. Uh, more screen time has led to interrupted sleep. And so sleep has got worse, which again is detrimental to our health. Other things that people have said is that mental health has been a struggle throughout the pandemic as well. Um, and in this research, they were saying, look, if things don't change in five years' time, look where this is going, our posture, our weight, our worry, our concerns, and our minds, and our bodies. And it was painting a pretty bleak picture. But I wonder spiritually, over these past 18 months, have we got into bad habits? Let's again think of those habits that we might have fallen into. Maybe you stopped reading your Bible, patterns of sin, stopped praying, not meeting together with other believers as we normally would like to. Some of these things have been forced on us, some of these things haven't been, but we've slipped into them. Follow the trajectory. Where will you be in a couple of months or a couple of years' time if you keep in the same habits that we're in now? It's so easy, isn't it, for us to stop reading our Bible, stop praying, stop meeting with one another. And soon enough, we get stuck in that rut. It's not just in pandemic times, though, if we're honest, is it? We can't just blame it on COVID. We know that this is something that happens to us in our Christian life. I think one of the most frustrating things about being stuck in a spiritual rut is this. We often know the way out. We know some of the things we need to stop doing and some of the things we need to start doing. But the problem is we don't do it. Now, why is that? One of the reasons they said in that survey of why we weren't changing our lives is because actually we found a comfort in being in them. We'd actually got into this rut and we didn't want change. And the problem is we can get comfortable in our spiritual rut, can't we? We know the things we need to stop and the things we need to start. And yet getting out of the rut doesn't seem attractive to enough, enough to us. You see, if we want something enough, we will do it. But we prefer our valley, as it were, our rut that we're in. Life outside of it just isn't attractive enough to us. So, what do we need? One of the things we need is loads of answers to this, but one of the things, and I want to focus in on this psalm, is we need a fresh encounter with the glory and the greatness of God. We need a fresh, uh, to see him with eyes of faith in freshness, to see his wonder and his greatness and his power, to see him as beautiful and as glorious, and to see spending time with him as something that we want to do because he is glorious and wonderful. And the good news is this psalm points out that all we need to get out of our spiritual rut is actually all around us, and we're missing it. The story's told of a man traveling across a desert. 
and he's traveling across this desert through the night him and his camel and uh, he was he had his camel with bags on it carrying lots of items to sell in a market in a city the other side of the desert on his way through the desert he meets another traveler coming in the other way and he says in this in the darkness soon you're going to come to a riverbed when you get there fill your pockets with what you find there this man thought it was a bit strange but he, he carried on he got to a riverbed and it was dark and he found a few things on the floor he put them in his pockets he couldn't take any more because his bags were full up and he didn't want to be weighed down carrying across the desert and so they kept on traveling and he came close to the city before he got to the city they camped outside and um, slept and they as they woke up in the morning he was horrified because he looked in his pockets and what did he find diamonds and he said diamonds if i'd have known what i was standing in the midst of i'd have pull, emptied my bags and filled them all up with diamonds i didn't realize the beauty of what was around me now it's a silly story in many senses um, and there's lots of holes in the plot but do you see the point he was standing where there was treasure and he didn't realize it this morning we are standing where there's treasure and we don't realize it three things that we miss and and through this psalm um, David is telling us don't miss this and if we grasp this it'll really help us if we if we feel like we're in that rut and let's be honest we all get there even from week to week so what do we need to not miss the first is this don't miss the glory of God in creation don't miss the glory of God in creation we see this in verses one to six look at verse one the heavens declare they tell us something the glory of God the sky above proclaims tells us something it proclaims that his handiwork so if we as we look up to the heavens as we look up to the skies they are talking to us they are telling us something and they are declaring to us the glory and the greatness and the beauty of God the sky shouts out this is God's handiwork look at it now this isn't a subtle whisper it's not something that is hiding it is something that is clear as day as it were as clear as the stars in the sky is at night and it where is it look at verse 4 this voice that has been told goes out through the whole earth uh, and to the ends of the world that's where you can see God's glory so wherever you see creation God is speaking now he talks then about the Sun look at verse um, end of verse 4 uh, he says uh, in them he has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy look at this sun and it's there every day gets up and does its journey every day it is there sun um, rises and it sets same journey every day and it is proclaiming something to us about god it is showing us that god exists now in um, these times uh, in places like egypt and, and other places like that they would have worshipped the sun so the sun was the be all and end all that was what they worshiped because they thought wow this is an amazing thing that we see in the sky and david is saying no don't stop with the sun now the sun is quite impressive isn't it 93 million miles away and we still feel its heat today we're reminded we can feel its heat and it's 500 5500 degrees celsius on the surface of the sun that's quite warm isn't it and and you think wow and, and we feel its heat from 93 million miles away you could fit a million earths in the sun you know you just can't grasp it it's an amazing thing and david says well, don't stop with the sun it is pointing to god he's the one behind it creation is screaming to us every day about god's greatness 
So God has been declared through creation every day. But here's a question for us. But so many people don't believe. Why? If creation's so obvious, why? I think it's this, because we're not listening. So we're not listening. I don't know if you've ever been into a planetarium. A planetarium is like a Uh, like a a cinema with a curved kind of roof. Sometimes it's a whole dome. And the idea is you go in and it's dark and then they project the night sky onto it. And if you've ever been into one, you would be at that moment where the lights go off and the stars start to shine, it is amazing. It's like, wow, you know? And you pay to go in to look at the stars. But do you realize every night we could have that? I know there's clouds often, but you know that the point is, isn't it? Every night we have got this amazing display of stars and galaxies, the moon, and, and all around us. And we don't look. We don't marvel. Why? Because we're not looking. We're too busy. We've got our heads elsewhere. And David is saying, look up. Listen. It's all around us. God's masterpiece. His artwork. You know, in the same way that you look at a piece of art, you're moved by it, aren't you? When you see a beautiful piece of art or hear a wonderful uh, piece of music, our hearts are moved. Why? Because the artist has put effort into it and thought behind it and is trying to tell us something through it. This is God's masterpiece all around us. And he is speaking to us. Look up, look out for God's handiwork. When I was younger, I was about, I think I was about 10 or 11, we looked at different artists in school. And I remember I did a project on Van Gogh, and I really enjoyed looking at his life and looking at his paintings. And that summer, we ended up going to France on holiday, and we were in Paris. And, um, and I was just wondering, I wonder if there's any paintings by Van Gogh here. And um, mum and dad obviously knew, but I didn't. And they took me into this room, and it was full of paintings by him. And I was amazed. Um, I just couldn't believe it. And I remember standing in front of one of his paintings, and just imagining he stood here, well, not in that, not in that um, gallery, obviously, but he stood in front of this painting, and that's his brushstroke. You know, that is, he put these colours together to make this. I remember looking at his signature at the bottom and saying, he wrote that himself. It made you feel quite close to the artist, thinking he was here. Well, do you know, everywhere around us, if we look close enough, we'll see the signature of God. You look at the flowers, you look at the trees, you look at the birds, you look at the ants, you look at the mountain range, the sunset, the moon, the stars, and the planets. Just look closer, and you'll see God's signature on it. I wonder, have you missed out on this? Have you had your head so busy in day-to-day life that you haven't left time to look at God's masterpiece, His handiwork? Isn't this a good challenge just this morning? Look up at God's creation. It is speaking to us. If only we have ears to hear. If only we would listen. So if we feel stuck in a rut this morning, isn't this a good place to start? Maybe the start of us getting out of a rut is going for a walk with our eyes open. And I know we normally go for a walk with our eyes open, but you know what I mean by that. Look at God's creation. If you're going today, let me encourage you to take water with you and put sun cream on. But, you know, make the most of God's creation and enjoy it and think, wow, this is amazing. God is declaring to me his greatness through this. Perhaps uh, this is a reminder to us that God is great and powerful and beautiful and glorious and his handiwork is telling us truths about him. 
look at how creation tells us about his majesty it helps us i think as well maybe if we are struggling with maybe doubts and questions does god exist is he real again look around us it helps us with those kind of thoughts this is an amazing place where we live look around creation is pouring out speech every day non-stop day after day if only we'd listen but there's something important to notice here the declaration that creation is making to us is limited um, it says doesn't it in verse 3 there is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard so there is no voice and no actual speech so it is telling us something it's proclaiming something but there's no speech is that a contradiction well i think we all know that you can communicate without saying something can't you you know it's amazing what can be said by a raised eyebrow or a nudge under the table or um you know just a look you can say a lot but that can often be misunderstood and so what has been proclaimed through this wordless um wordless communication from creation is limited and we need more to understand so if you have big questions of life and if you are struggling with the big questions of life or you want to know things about god if you go out in the night and you cry out to the stars and the moon and say you know god why is this happened or what creation won't answer we need more we need specific uh, word from god so yes we listen but we need to be aware it's limited so don't miss the glory of god in creation if we're stuck in a rut that's a good place to start secondly though is this don't miss the glory of god's word in verses 7 to 10. now looking around at the world at world as i said tells us a lot about god but it's a limited that it tells us and david says but god has spoken clearly to us by his word this is how he gets specific this is how we don't misunderstand what he's saying to us so david talks about verse um, 7 down to 10 there he talks about the law of the lord that's the torah and he he, uh, he talks about the testimony of the lord the precepts the commandment the rules now that is all this he it's a different word but he's describing the same thing he's talking about the the torah the first five books of the bible and that is what he had of god's revealed his god's written down revelation this is david's bible he's talking about when we looked at psalm 119 on wednesday nights we saw the same thing happening there the the writer of the psalm was using loads of different words basically for the bible so it's the same here he's saying look this is god's revealed word to us and what does he tell us about it well listen to what he says it is perfect it is sure as you cast down your mind look at your eyes looking at these verses it is right it is pure it is clean it is true this is why he is thrilled by god's word because he sees what it is and look what it does as well the first thing he says is it revives the soul god's word revives the soul it helps us it sets us truly free now i haven't mentioned narnia for a few weeks so i'll, I'll mention narnia now as a illustration in the silver chair uh, i'll try not to give too much of the plot away if you haven't read it yet but there's a character in that book who's under a spell and he doesn't know who he really is and so every night he is tied to this chair and this chair kind of casts a spell over him to confuse him as to who he really is and at one point in the book um, he smashes up this chair and then he is thinking clearly for the first time in years he knows who he is because this chair had this spell over him you know when it comes to god's word 
God's word revives our soul. It brings us into a clearer thinking about who we are. Uh, you know, we can be um, deceived by all the things we hear all around us. And yet, when we come to God's word, this is God's uh, speaking life to us. He is reviving us. He's saying, this is who you are. This is who you truly are. You are loved. You are made in the image of God. You are honored. You are precious. Don't listen to the lies. So revive your soul in God's word. Not only that, but it helps us to, to live wisely. It makes wise the simple. Wisdom is living well, living skillfully. And it protects us. It keeps us safe. I don't know if you've realized, but we can live self-destructive lives, can't we? The decisions we make, the things we do can destroy us because we're not living wisely. You know, in the same way, if you think of a, a, a child on stabilizers on a bike, you know, why are they on stabilizers? This is to keep them safe. If a child says, oh, I don't need stabilizers, I'll do it on my own, you know that's going to end in tears and blood and mess. We need that support. And in the same way, God's word is like wisdom to us. It's guiding us. It's keeping us safe. And we need to listen to it. He wants what's best for us. It brings joy and it brings light into darkness and despair. It endures forever. It is a firm foundation for us. We can base our lives on this because it doesn't change. Every 10, 20, 30 years, opinions and views change about loads of different things but God's word remains the same because God doesn't change. So you see, David sees what it is, God's word, and he's thrilled by it because of what it's like and what it does. And not only does he know this in his mind, he's experienced it. Look at it, verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. Now, David has experienced the, uh, the joy of this. He says this is more precious than anything. This is the most precious thing I have. He sees it as valuable. Not only that, but he, it is sweet to taste. This is better than you know, the biggest pile of chocolate you could find. This is true sweetness. And so why wouldn't he spend time in God's word, getting to know it, reading it, enjoying it? Because it is this good. Now, when you're stuck in a rut, I'm sure often we lose this perspective on God's word. Maybe you haven't picked it up in months to read it on your own, if you're honest. But look at how David describes this. Look how infectious his description is. Look how great it is, how wonderful it is. Look at what's available. And this is there uh, for us to access any time. It revives our soul. It gives us joy and freedom and, and, and makes wise and simple. It protects us. And it is there for us to enjoy. God wants to speak to us. He wants to meet with us. There is sweetness available here. And so if we haven't picked up our Bible, just see what we're missing. And maybe you have been reading your Bible, but it just seems so flat uh, to you. Let me encourage you, two suggestions. One, over the summer, why not read a gospel? Just read a gospel and see what does it tell me about Jesus. Or you could join us for RBT. Read one of those books on that list, Ezra, Nehemiah, Daniel, Resta. Pick one, read it. And when we talk about it together, it brings light to that book that is different from a light we have reading on our own. We've all been given the Spirit of God. The Spirit helps us to understand the Word that He inspired. And so sharing together gives us a, a clearer view of God's Word. Why not join us for it? It's helpful to have that kind of deadline to say, I'm going to read this because then we can talk about it and share it. Why not do that this month over the summer? As I often say, if you want to get struck by lightning, how do you get struck by lightning? You don't do it hiding in a cellar. You do it by going up on a mountain 
making yourself soaking wet and holding a golf club or a metal stick. That's how you're going to be struck. How do you expect God to speak to you? Precisely and clearly. He uses means. And one of his most clear means is his word. So let's put ourselves in that position as regularly as we can. Don't miss the glory of God's word. Don't miss the glory of God's creation. If we're stuck in a rut, maybe we just need to start by getting back to basics and reading God's word again. The third and final thing is this. Don't miss the glory of our saviour. In verses 11 to 14. So David is soaking up God's word. But as he's reading God's word, and it is wise and makes it wise simple you know it's um it's helping to see more about life and joy and it's a desirable thing yet he realizes that he's being warned by it verse 11 in keeping you know your servant is warned yes keeping in this great reward but i'm feeling warned here that is he's seeing that he's lived not in line with what he's reading so he's reading things he say oh i haven't been doing that I'm, i'm warned back to to keep in here so He's been convicted. He's feeling his faults. He's seeing his faults, which is why he goes on to pray in verse 12. Um, Declare me innocent from my hidden faults. These faults that I can't see. Not necessarily hidden to other people. Other people might make it very obvious and see very clearly what he's doing wrong, but he can't see it. Lord, show me and, and forgive me for my hidden faults. Not only my hidden faults, verse 13, but also forgive me for these presumptuous sins as well. You know, the sins that I know I do and I keep doing. Father, forgive me for these. Because when he's forgiven, verse 13, um, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. So he knows he's done them, but he knows there can be forgiveness. So who's able to help him? How does he know he's got forgiveness? Well, look at the end. It tells us that he is a rock. His Lord is his rock and his redeemer. He has got somebody who has redeemed him, paid the price to set him free, drawn close alongside him and and saved him. So if we're stuck in a rut, there could be many reasons to that this morning, but often we can just feel helpless. We're kind of just on this treadmill that we can't seem to get off and it just seems to be getting us further and further away from God. Uh, How do we stop that? What do we do? Where can we turn? How can our heart be moved to want to look for God's signature in creation, to want to go to his word? I think what we need to see is the glory of our Savior. Look again at the psalm, verses 1 to 7. How many times is God mentioned there? He's only mentioned once in the first verse, and he's, it's the general name for God, El, in the Hebrew. Just that, that's what, what we see. But then, look at verse 7 to 10. Uh, we see... Um, seven to nine even just how many times the lord is mentioned uh, six times in three verses and that word lord is the is yahweh the covenant name that god gave to god's people this is my personal name as it were you know like we might say this is my personal number not my business number this is my person this is how you can access me this is who i am the covenant keeping god the god who never breaks a promise And so then when David says, you are my, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, he says, I remember who you are. The God who made all of creation is also the one who has promised um, and committed himself to me. He is the one who has brought me out of slavery, my redeemer. He is the one who is my rock who I can build my life on. He's the one who has saved me. Now remember, the limit of creation 
is it's non-verbal. So we need the Word of God to kind of fill in the gaps to help us to understand who God is. But doesn't this point us to the Word that became flesh? The Word of God, Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But then in John 1, he says, the Word became flesh. So when we're reading the Word, Jesus tells us it's all about me. We need to look out for Him. We need to be amazed and enthralled by Him. So if you're in a spiritual rut, often we can feel full of guilt and shame. And so we stay there because we think there is no way that God wants anything to do with me in my state. So I'm just going to stay here and keep my head down, not pick up my Bible, not talk to Him because He doesn't want to see me. And so we isolate ourselves from God and from other believers as well. We just keep people at an arm's length. Do you see what this tells us? We look to the Word come flesh. And he came, he stepped into our rut, into our pit, and he came to save us. He died on the cross to be punished for our rebellion and our sin so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have access to God. And so if we're in a rut and we feel there's no way God cares about me, there's no way you would accept me, realize that Jesus is in the rut with you. And he is there to lift you out. He is there to help you. And when you think of the story that John told in story time today, sorry to give this away, but I'd already put this in my notes before. Um, so, um, but there we go. Here is uh, the great reminder, isn't it? He was in the pigsty. And yet, he turned and went, and when he turned, what was happening? The father already had his arms wide open, running towards him to greet him. This morning, in your heart, if you turn to God, he is not standing there, arms folded, tutting, waiting for you to grovel back. He's already running to meet you. And that's what the cross shows us. That's what our Saviour shows us. My Lord, my rock, my Redeemer. He delights to show mercy. He is not reluctant to receive the wanderer. He wants you to turn back to him. There is nowhere else to turn but Jesus. So maybe today you've, you feel stuck in a rut in life and you wonder where to turn. Could it be that Jesus is the one you're looking for and you've never turned to him before? Reach out to him this morning. He won't let you down. He is there for you and he died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. Turn to him today. If you're stuck in a spiritual rut and you've been a Christian for maybe a short or long amount of time, see, please see the love of Christ for you. Even you hear in these words is God's way of, of bringing you back. Look around at the glory of creation. Use that as a springboard to see God's greatness and his power. But then listen to God's word. He has revealed himself to us. Enjoy tasting the sweetness of God's word. But then look to the word become flesh, our glorious saviour, who, who is, uh, shows his love for us. That while we were still sinners, he died for us. And that love will never let us go. I pray that we'd all be able to say um, with David those words. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Don't give up. Don't despair. There is hope in a rut and his name is Jesus. Turn to him this morning. Let's pray before we sing our last song together. Father, we come to you aware of our weakness, aware of our desire often not to turn back to you.
We pray this morning by your spirit you would come and lift up our eyes to our Saviour. Please, Lord, help us this week to walk around with our eyes open, looking out for the glory of God in creation. Help us, Lord, to be able to have sweet times of fellowship with you through your word. And help us to enjoy thinking on, enjoy the presence of our Saviour, the word become flesh with us. Lord, we pray that we wouldn't leave here without um, truly encountering you. And Lord, we pray this for the glory of Jesus in his name. Amen.